Chat on This are a series of conversations designed to be thought-provoking, informative, and offer an empowering approach towards well-being for your family. Brought to you by Advanced Health Chiropractic. I am super excited to be chatting with Gina Wilson today. Gina is a registered naturopath and medical herbalist working with children to improve their overall health by education, nutrition, practical help tailored to meet the children's specific issues. With a background in teaching young children and specifically children with special needs, Gina has the advantage of understanding the potential of children if they're nurtured well and they're given optimal nutrition to meet their needs. Gina has a special interest in and experience in working with children with autism and related disorders. Gina is experienced in implementing appropriate nutrient-rich diets. She currently works in private practice as a naturopath at The Connection in Silverdale, Auckland. And she looks after and cares for people all around the world, as she often will uh, consult over Skype. She was very fortunate, as we all were actually, to work closely for many years with Dr. Leela Masson, a very experienced biomedical paediatrician. Unfortunately, she's now left our shores. However, she will be coming on our podcast shortly, which is very exciting. Uh, and Gina continues to work alongside other colleagues closely, um, including holistic GPs, chiropractors, homeopaths, and other naturopaths to ensure that her clients are supported and have the input that they require. Gina, you're someone I highly respect. Your passion um, to get children well and thriving is absolutely palpable. We regularly refer from our practice um, wonderful little people your way to help them optimize their health and well-being. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us today, Gina. Uh, and I just wondered whether, as a starter, you could tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're so passionate about children's health. Hi there. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for inviting me, Katie. It's a real pleasure to ha have a chat this morning. And um, as you know, there's a lot of effort going into raising healthy families. So the more tools we can offer people, I think, the better. So my background um, was as a preschool teacher initially. And then I uh, moved into being a special ed teacher. So I, I was back then called an early intervention teacher. <clears throat> and I was going into, um, you know, I had, had clients and I would be going in to support their teacher aid in kindergarten and when they were a new entrance. And I was had a lot of children with autism that I was working with and other um, neurodiverse conditions and I was beginning to really see that you know a lot of children especially may, maybe those on the spectrum they had a very picky diet they didn't have good nutrition they weren't getting outside enough and um, I started to really think about the educational programs we were delivering and how on earth can they be effective when the children were just eating chicken nuggets and noodles and not having good nutrition absolutely um, yeah, so you know what that's all about. So that got me interested in health. And then uh, one of my clients actually was taken to the Pfeiffer Institute in America, where they did a lot of nutritional testing and looking at nutritional deficits and so on and so forth. And then I saw that child really improve when they started to be given a better diet and zinc, etc. 
And yeah, it just, it changed my perspective on what I was doing. And, you know, one thing led to another and I ended up training as a naturopath to specifically work in this area. So that's how I'm here. Isn't that amazing? So yeah, through your firsthand experience, just seeing how those children operated so much more optimally when they had those really strong nutritional foundational blocks. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And of course, you know, I mean, it goes, you know, it goes way further than nutrition as we know. Um, but it, it's a good place to start. And of course, there's a lot of stumbling blocks, especially for children with autism and other sensory processing issues. You know, just getting them to eat well is very tricky because they've got a lot of sensory issues around food. Um, so yeah. that was just, a, you know, a small amount. But, yeah, that's that's uh, what got me into this. Well, that that's really interesting from my perspective. You know, you talk about um, children with neurodiverse conditions being fussy eaters, but I'm finding more and more that our children, uh, because they're used to this, what we call the sad diet, I guess, they, they are quite yes. tricky. Um, it is tricky as a parent to get children to eat uh, nutritiously and to enjoy that food um we can probably delve into that in a little bit actually uh so at advanced health chiropractic we're focusing at the moment on winter wellness and um i wonder whether you could let us know in your mind what is it that drives a healthy immune response particularly in children um, yeah, well, of, I mean, there's clearly so many factors, um, but the main one would probably be, as we said, nutrition. Uh, you know, if, if children have not got good quality fats, good proteins, enough antioxidants in their diet, you know, it's going to be very difficult for them to have a healthy immune response. And I feel, you know, New Zealand, our soil is so depleted, uh, where a lot of children that I see and test, they're below baseline with their just basic nutrients like zinc, which we really need for a healthy immune response, especially over winter. So I feel that is a big part to play. Uh, also winter, you know, there's more inside activity. So the children aren't getting outside. They're not moving their bodies. That is super important. Being inside exposes them more to EMFs from all the screen use. So that is a big problem as well. And of course, New Zealand is very, very moldy. So even the best house um, may have some mold somewhere. And in the winter months, we're spending more time inside. So all of these things can reduce a healthy immune response and so to improve it I really advocate for a lot of outdoor time regardless of the weather um, you can still take their shoes off and give them some grounding take them to the beach make sure they're eating well uh, and you know these different versions of eating well and I'm not actually a stickler for any particular diet because I'm very big on understanding genes and epigenetics and that really does drive what diet kind of suits what person but in general healthy fats avoiding not so good fats using a lot of um, vegetables rich in antioxidants as much as we can and yes so those would be kind of my basic things that I would say helps a healthy immune response yeah that um yes 
many of our people often also hear us say the same thing. So that's great. <laughs> uh, as chiropractors, we're really focused on ensuring the nervous system is firing optimally. And we understand that a properly functioning nervous system also helps to enhance immune function. Can you tell us what are the main disruptors of that immune health in children? So obviously it's similar to what, you know, the good the good stuff drives a healthy immune response and the not so good stuff disrupts the immune system. So, you know, as you said before, the sad diet, everything's white and beige, things come in little packages. So poor nutrition, I mean, back, you know, we used to talk about poor nutrition as being not enough food, but what is happening now is poor nutrition as these children are overfed but undernourished. So, you know, a wee person waking up in the morning, being given refined cereal, processed milk, um, and then being sent off to their daily activity, that is going to be a big disruptor of their overall well-being, obviously including their immune system. Uh, exposure to toxins like I touched on before and toxins are very widespread there's everything from mold to EMFs to uh, the playground at their kindergarten or school has been sprayed with Roundup and we know that the health impacts that has uh, that is definitely something that can disrupt our immune health and also just parents I feel for parents because a lot of parenting is now driven by fear. The medical model has created a fear-based parenting situation in my eyes. And so a lot of parents are very quick because they don't trust their own instincts and they understand why. But to grab, you know, if a child's got a fever or a cold, they're grabbing over-the-counter medications which aren't necessarily the right thing. And I feel they can really disrupt the immune health in children. So those are a couple of the things that I feel are driving this. Lack of movement, not good nutrition, um, exposure to toxins. And one of the main things that we often overlook is, are the children happy? You know, are they yeah. enjoying their daily activities? Do they like going to school? I mean, clearly we're not going to always do things that we like to do. Yeah. Um, but a lot of children are just super unhappy being stuck inside, you know, in a in an educational place. They're not getting enough outdoor activity and they're just not happy. So helping them fill up their happiness bucket um can be awesome and it can support their immune health whereas being sad depressed anxious of course is going to be a disruptor absolutely um can we just delve into the toxins a little bit more with the emfs people may not necessarily know what you mean by that and okay um, yeah and, so, and, sorry, sorry. Go, ahead. go ahead yep um, so EMFs are electromagnetic frequencies, and that is what happens when you're sitting in front of a computer that is hooked into Wi-Fi. So there's certainly mounting research to show that these EMFs really do affect our brain and body, especially those children, um, because their, you know, their their brain is more sensitive, their skull is thinner, and so they have more, you know, problems with that exposure. 
So if you see it, you know, I mean, screens, as we know, have got benefits and there's a lot of problems as well. If you've got a child on a screen and they've got it on their lap, they've got their neck pushed down. So that's really hard on their brain. Clearly, that's not good. Whatever they're watching on the screen is making their dopamine go through the roof. So when you try to stop them being on the screen, they have a meltdown. And then on top of that, you've got the electromagnetic frequency going through the body. So overall, you can see the problem. And one of the ways to counteract some of that is obviously reduce screen time where you can. Hardwire the child's computer. So no iPads on the lap. It would be better for them to have a little PC set up. Or if they've got an iPad, it needs to be hardwired. Um, and then to counteract some of that every, you know, 20 minutes, if they're on there for a long time, every 20 minutes, they need to get up, they need to stretch, they need to go outside, they need to have a drink of filtered water. So there's quite a lot to think about. But, you know, computer and screen time is is becoming a big problem for children these days. It really is, uh, particularly with um, older children, where they're using those devices not only for pleasure but also for learning uh those are some really good tips and the other thing that you touched on which i um we talk a lot lot about in the practice is this idea that um often trying to suppress a symptom um can actually prolong the illness or or delay the um appropriate immune response uh and i i agree with you i think we are driven by fear and wanting to do the right thing by our children but uh when a child has a cold or a fever um it is the body's very intelligent way of um um creating an immune response so that it can a kill the the bug if you like the germ that the bacteria the virus but also so that it can um uh, build that adaptive immune response for the next exposure or time that it might be exposed to that same bug so if we're suppressing those symptoms all the time we can really um weaken that immune response uh for future for the future for our children Absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, this is a massive topic that, you know, you and I could probably talk about for hours. Um, But I feel, you know, the the team that I work with, and I know you guys are the same, but, you know, we just spend so much time trying to help parents feel confident in their intuitive knowledge of their own child. Um, But it's very hard when you're going against a mainstream fear-driven medical model Mm. uh so you know we do our best to help parents understand their child understand their own needs and feelings around their child you know they often i mean i feel parents always know best but of course sometimes their decision is based in fear so helping parents you know raise their children in a more healthy way is of course one of my passions and yours as well and you know just understanding the role of fever and what you could do around that um is something important yes it is it's um it is really about allowing those parents to really feel empowered and confident absolutely but but against a, a huge knowledge um or or um an alternative view i guess the yes. other thing um, uh, 
So the other thing which I think is absolutely, I love that you say this, is it's so important to have a happy child. And yes. um, and you're right. So those their social connections, when they're happy, their immune system will be far more robust. And uh, I often, I do worry a little bit that we, uh, particularly in our cities, we tend to overcommit our children uh, to many, many, many different activities. And Yes, that's great to expose them to lots of different um, things, but it also can be quite stressful for the child because, as we know, just um, play, play alone, um, which is unstructured, is so imperative for the proper development of that nervous system and therefore their immune system. Yes, absolutely. And, I mean, I worry, you know, a lot of the activities that children do do, you know, you imagine they're at school from nine till three or roundabout. So they're inside a lot and um, they're not moving. And then they might go to an, a, another after school activity, which is also inside. That's also not moving or, you know, these many kind of variations of that. But I mean, as humans, I really believe we're designed to move to think. I mean, if children are sitting still all day, it's not going to be good for any part of their body and including the brain, the happiness level. These kids need their happiness bucket filled up and that needs to be happen with movement, outdoor time, sunshine, good nutrition, like you say, good connections and all those things as well. But the way the modern world is going, there's so many stressors and I feel children need more downtime more unstructured time which I feel is going to be beneficial to their overall well-being yeah I, I absolutely agree so I guess in wrapping up um your top tips um are really wonderfully simple uh, but maybe if you could just run through those again for us sure um so nutrition obviously when I I mean I like I said before, I'm now that I do so many genetic tests and look at epigenetics, I really understand that there's no one diet fits all. I mean, some people can't process too many carbs, some can't process too much protein. So there's not one diet fits all from that point of view. But in general, we know we need very good quality fats. Mm. So I'm a huge supporter of New Zealand olive oil. If we have that in our diet every day, we're going to be a lot healthier. Obviously, spray-free vegetables and fruit um, and some good sources of protein. But with nutrition, probably the most important thing is avoiding certain things. So all those very poor fats and, you know, little packets of potato chips and you know, your muesli bar that's full of sunflower oil, those are the kind of processed foods that we need to get rid of. That's going to be probably my top tip in nutrition. So the bad oils, too much sugar, and of course we know the colorings and things, but, you know, even parents that are quite savvy around eating, they get caught up. You know, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the new kind of pea chips, pea snaps. They've been, you know, advertised as healthy, but they're Mm. absolutely dreadful just refined pea flour cooked in sunflower oil. Absolutely. So we have to be careful about that. Yeah. Pardon? With flavourings. 
Yeah, totally. With flavorings, with MSG, absolutely. So that would be my kind of top nutrition. Then obviously lots of activity outside. Get the children's shoes off. Doesn't matter if it's cold. Being cold does not give you a cold. Just let let them have their shoes off. Put them on the beach. Put them in a forest. Go for a bushwalk. That's super important. Keep active. Um, reduce the screen time or make the screen time as safe as possible. So thinking about the EMFs, hardwire the screens, make sure the children are in a good position, that their neck is not pointing down, their head's not pointing down. So I would say that's super important. Um, And, you know, obviously sleep, happiness, we've talked about that. And I would say one supplement that also needs to happen over winter is vitamin D with K2. So 99% of the children I test, they're low in vitamin D over winter. And even the mainstream um, data says that a good 70% of New Zealanders are vitamin D deficient over winter. So we definitely want to get that. And the sun, even if you're outside in the sun in winter, it's at the wrong position in the sky to hit the skin in the wrong position. So it does not create enough vitamin D. So that would be something I would also recommend. Absolutely. it's uh, I love the synchronicity in things. I just spoke with um, Kim Ewer, who who um, I saw that that was amazing and he said the same thing and he was very concerned this particular winter in New Zealand because we've had such a poor summer so we haven't you know built up those stores <clears throat> over summer without absolutely yeah and not only have we had a terrible summer but we've been locked up for a couple of years so That's we nice. just have not had the opportunity to have good levels of vitamin D then, of course, viruses can deplete your vitamin D and so can many other things. But vitamin yeah. D is so important for our immune system, but also our neurotransmitters. So we go back to that happiness state. Absolutely. Now, I've just sort of one question, which I would love to know, because I yes. know many of our people will want to know this too. And that is when you've got a really fussy child, a fussy eater, and they really have um, a sort of navigated their way towards a very bland diet what would be the one thing that you could do to try and open up the array of foods that you give your child and how you know what what is the one winning tip here I don't know that there's a one winning (laughs) tip answer to that question because it depends on why their food choices uh, have become diminished is it sensory is it because they're low zinc if children are low zinc everything tastes like overcooked brussels sprouts because the taste receptors on your tongue are not working optimally. So probably anything would be my number one tip would be supplement them with zinc for a couple of months and see if it improves. But, you know, it's not an easy question to answer because there's lots of drivers. But the other thing, which is a very unpopular answer to parents is, you know, the three-year-old can't go to the supermarket and buy the chicken nugget. There has to be a provider. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. So it's tricky, but you know, I don't, I don't like that answer for parents who've got truly struggling children with sensory issues because the child's not trying to be naughty. The parents doing the best they can, but for some children, it's not a neurodiverse problem. It's just purely that they've been given what they want, and so that they're sticking to that. 
that's what they're used to. Yeah. That's yeah. what they're used to. And they haven't developed their palate. You know, you think about children and I mean, I used to live just quickly. I used to live in Switzerland and I was a nanny many years ago. Um, and back then the six month old was given prawn chili pasta. I mean, it was just not yeah. even considered something that's not good. So, you know, their taste buds, they were having Parmesan and all these strong flavors, but we, you know, we just don't give enough bitters and pungents and all those types of foods. And so our children develop a bland palate. Yes. Yes. That makes complete sense. Gina, you're an absolute ray of sunshine and I have loved and continue to love working with you. Uh, thank you thank so much you. for taking the time. We did have a few glitches to start with, with silly technology, but I think we've got there <laughs> in the end. Um, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. And yeah, absolutely. It's been great working with you and I love it when I can refer my some of my clients to you over in your area. It's absolutely brilliant. So Again, thanks for giving me the time and um, yeah, we will catch up soon. Absolutely.